This is Blended, a family podcast with me, Bree, and me, Caroline, just two mamas who chose to make our blended family thrive. We share stories, pump up step parents, root for positive blended family dynamics, and through it all, we get to lead with grace, heal, learn, and grow. There's no doubt everyone loves true crime podcasts these days. And there's a new podcast that you will want to add to your playlist. Murder Mondays. Host Nicole Simmons travels and interviews victims and families of murderers in South Carolina. She's a small town girl who's a wife and business owner. And Murder Mondays is a passion project for her. She brings you the facts and personal stories of the people affected by the most heinous crimes in South Carolina. If you enjoy true crime podcast, Murder Mondays is for you. Murder Mondays with your host, Nicole Simmons available on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and other podcast players. Add Murder Mondays with Nicole Simmons to your playlist right now. Hey, everybody! On this episode of Blended, a family podcast, we sit down and interview our friend Lacey Pickett. She is a licensed professional counselor. She runs her own telepractice and works with children in the school system. Um, With her extensive background experience and knowledge, she really put in perspective this impact that the blended family can have on our children and our families and, and what she's seeing in the real world day to day. So sit back, relax, and meet our friend Lacey. Hey guys, it's Caroline here. Hey, and it's Bree. Today we have our friend Lacey Pickett with us. Hey, everybody. Hey, um, we brought Lacey and invited her onto the podcast today uh, because of how far back our friendship goes. I met Lacey when I was married to Ryan um, and we became really close friends. Uh, Backstory to Lacey has a brother, Charlie, and um, Charlie and Ryan served in the military together. Right. And yeah. uh, Lacey, did you move down? You were just moved down to Columbia, right? When you were, had Tegan. Like yeah, you were so new to Columbia? We hadn't even been there. I think we'd been there a little over a year, but I was pregnant most of the time. So we yeah. really didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> so yeah. Charlie came to meet his first niece and was like, oh, my friends are close to you. Let's go. And we were like, okay. And off we went and we've never looked back. Yeah, I know. I love it. Um, so now we're like instant friends too, Brie, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, ha- she had just, when I like officially met her, um, she had just had um, Tegan like, right. Like we, Tegan was coming home from the hospital, I think. And we had like just met Tegan when she came home. So she was a month old when we went to your dad's place in Florence. Yes. Yes. By then she was a month old. So like the kids are really close in age. So, I mean, we just had this like built-in family feeling, you know, like mm-hmm. it was our, the kids were milestone after milestone with each other. Um, Charlie taught Cheyenne how to crawl. Will taught Cheyenne how to like take steps and like mm-hmm. hated that he missed it. <laughs> it yes. was so funny. I remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, just this back, um, relationship just has this intertwine into our into our family you know Mm -hmm. Um, I love it and I well but like at what point because Brie you and Ryan moved into Lacey's house in Columbia we did so uh when we first moved to South Carolina we moved to Florence um we were ready to move on from Florence and Lacey and Will were ready to like buy a different house and move to a different part of the neighborhood. And, um, so we moved in with them for a little bit, uh, and what funnest time of our lives. Oh my gosh. It was we, a blast. Well, did, we went to the gym on base. We, um, re- we're raising the kids together. I mean, it was just so much fun, but, um, awesome. we ended up taking over that house and living in that house for a long time too. So yeah. Now Lacey, do you for me there? That's right. Yeah. Like after we moved out. And then after you after you heard that first recording when I was like, I would never go in the attic. You text me and you're like, the attic. Oh, my God. <laughs> that place was so scary. It was just so full of character. It really was. The whole house. <laughs> the whole house was. Um, we always talk about the walls that uh, built us, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So that house, this relationship, it totally built us. Um, and we've just been this, this, this friendship that just, it, it honestly just picks up. Like we could go months, of course, without talking just cause life. Right. And then we get a message that you guys are coming to Charleston. We'll, I'll drop everything. Let's go. Like yeah. we're doing, and, and we just have the best night ever. And I just love it. Well, and Lacey, you don't live in Columbia anymore. When did y'all leave South Carolina and where do y'all live now? So we left South Carolina in 2016. Um, My husband is also military. He uh, served in the army for 13 years. um, And our last posting was Fort Jackson, which is how we got there to begin with. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he got out, we moved back to his hometown um, here in rural southwestern Virginia <laughs> which and it's y'all beautiful are... up there too yeah I love it here I absolutely know. love it here we did visit one time when you were up there but it was the the last house you were in that old farmhouse because you've moved yes. since then, right yes and I think you only had three kids or two kids and one was yeah was I think only two kids day. yeah we were kind of like thinking of having another one, I think. That is wild. You should have stopped me, me then. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so because I have three. I need like, I know. You're like, no, keep this. going. Come on. Please. That's so great. Um, so Lacey, do you have memories of like the separation between Brie and Ryan <laughs> and, and that like journey with them? So I <laughs> Brie, why are that you question was not on the interview list, Caroline. She <laughs> <laughs> snuck that one past the screening, right? No. Well, so, yeah. And I think that it really kind of speaks to um, one of the things that when you guys said earlier, like, that we just kind of had this instant bond, right? Like, that the walls mm-hmm. that build you and those kinds of things. There's so much about, like, where we both were in our yeah. lives like such a transitionary period and also like just really young moms and Mm -hmm. looking at each other, like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. So I think there was that kind of like beacon that like, Oh, some, like I'm not alone in this. And there's somebody like tangible here who is seeing the world for the first time, the way that I am seeing the world for the first time. Yeah. Um, And there's a really, um, there's a really important power in that. I think that uh, really kind of started that. And, and, and our marriages were both really new. Like yeah. Bill and I knew each other for nine months. I remember. Yeah. We got married 30 days later, he deployed for a year and a half. And then he came home and six months later, we were in South Carolina and pregnant. Like yeah. that's and with your arms in the air. Like what, what the hell are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> right. And also yeah. very like, okay, well, I guess this is what we do. So I think it was very parallel in a lot of ways that when things with you guys started to get really difficult, I remember, um, but I think that, again, like to speak to that bond, it was kind of one of those things where when things were difficult, you would just, especially like when we were in the house together. Yeah. um, It was very much like, do you see this? Am I seeing things? Like, what is going on? Yeah. So it was a lot of, I think, that kind of, like, peripheral observation of what's happening. And and I think also just being, like, super, like, I think hyper-focused on the kids because nobody wanted to hyper-focus on the conflict. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I totally want to talk about this for a minute because I have a passion for moms in general, but I have a even stronger passion for young moms. And that first child, there is Ooh. a season of like grieving yourself, grieving this yeah. and then like this overwhelming feeling of like helplessness and loneliness. So not only Brie was your relationship struggling, but you were figuring out your identity as a mom, trying to keep another human being alive as well as yourself. And like, who even thinking about mental health at that point? Yeah. Um, what I is just... mental health at that point? You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I wish like for, for my own journey, my, myself, I wish there were so many things that I could go back and tell myself 
in that season, I'm not saying like everyone has postpartum with your first child, but there's, there's gotta be a statistic out there that shows first time moms, the statistic is higher for postpartum depression than your second or your third, because it was just such a change. Oh Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And then, I mean, look at all the other changes, like, like Lacey, like, um, you know, Ryan and I hadn't been together too long. We, you know, um, had this grand adventure, then this baby, then this, we moved across it, you know, and it was just, I don't know. It, it, you're there, alone. You have yeah. no friends. You yeah. When no things one. start to, the dust settles, you're like, Oh, uh. <laughs> well, and I think what's happening too, is there's this massive paradigm shift that you don't realize is happening because we're all so conditioned to just like accept, accept it. Yeah. Yep. Just accept it. Like, Oh, and also nobody really has authentic conversations about how difficult and unfun being a parent can be because let's be honest sometimes it's not a good time it's not go into this thinking this is going to be great and this baby's just going to be the every light of my life and my husband or my partner is just gonna light up every time this is going to be the thing that makes us a family and then you're exhausted and yeah. like literally delirious with yes. exhaustion, like, which bone is also tired. Not you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what am I doing wrong? Where did this, where did this paradigm of parenthood and motherhood being this beautiful, lovely, fulfilling experience come from? It had to have come from somewhere. So why is it not for me? Yeah. <clears throat> so much. And, and like, not only are you exhausted in that, but like, let's be real, you're your body I don't want to say failing but your body is oh. massively healing yeah um your mind is exhausted but your mind's also going through all these other things so then your communication I'm a believer that once communication fails everything ripples from below Absolutely. that <clears throat> yeah. it's just it is really crazy and uh, there's there's got to be something out there like we can outreach to like first time moms like if we did it different, <laughs> right? Yeah. If we did it different, it would still turn out the same. <laughs> That's so true. Right. You have to go through this to learn what you, I don't know. I know. I know. It is a hard concept because you feel like you're, you know, you're setting a foundation essentially. You think like, oh, younger years, you're setting that foundation because, like, then by teenagers, like, they'll have this foundation. No, they're still jerks. Like, what? <laughs> Also, they're smarter than you. Did you? They're know so much smarter than us. I don't get it. Um, well, I feel like we got this whole co-parenting thing down, but like nobody else is like the kid isn't jumping on board. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, and that's what a great, I think another amazing example too of like, why is that not normalized? Mm. The way that you guys co-parent, and I have to just say like, this is geeking me out a little bit right now because I'm, I would bet a paycheck that I am like the number one blended <laughs> podcast. So I, blush. I, I can it. like, so like in episode two, about 34 minutes in when Bree said, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but this is something that like, why are we not normalizing this relationship? Mm. And it be, and it really stems from, that paradigm construction and the things that we're looking at in creating a foundation, whose foundation are we perpetuating? Whose foundation are we creating? And Mm -hmm. what's the purpose behind it? Absolutely. Brie, I wonder if you would agree with this statement, but I know for myself and I think Brie, you probably did for yourself too at some point, Mm -hmm. but we both made a choice. We both decided. Yes. That we didn't want to live that way and we wanted to live this way. And I'm not saying it was easy and I'm not saying it doesn't come with constant work, but like we made a decision and a choice. And whenever that paradigm shift happened, I couldn't like say it was on October 22nd. I don't know. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think it is like a set date. Cause I think you're right. But like every time we come up on something new, it's, we make a choice like, on how to respond. You know what I mean? And it sets yeah. the course. Like I could be like, Hey, I know it's on my weekend next weekend, but can I have shy? And Ryan comes like, hell no. Are you kidding? Not, not that he does or if you, that he would, right. or he, but I'm saying like just a small, his, a small decision to respond differently 
you know, could shift a whole paradigm. So like we make those choices every time we have to talk with, or have to, or get to, or whatever, talk with each other. You know what I mean? You have to yeah. make that choice every day. And yeah. it's one of these things that, so this actually brings up kind of a funny memory for me. <laughs> um, it's one of the, it's this concept of like, you, which wolf are you feeding, right? Mm-hmm. Are you feeding the positive, the uh, productive, the, the authentic, or are you feeding this anger and resentment and fear and all of these things? And at the end of the day, what you allow is what will continue. Mm-hmm. What I you allow, love the wolf story. Yeah, and I, I use it all the time. But it makes me think of, so, um, Brie and I have this healthy, um, connection. I shouldn't say healthy connection. We, it's really more of like a mild obsession with teen mom. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I was wondering where you're going to go with this. This is, this was like, but I think this is a really great example of like, part of what really reinforced some of those negative behaviors that were happening in the house when we all lived together because there was still a connection there, right? Like we watched this religiously. (laughs) None of these very young moms, very young dads had healthy coping skills, Mm. effective communication strategies, um, high school diplomas. Like there was not, they didn't have the support system from their parents. Exactly. Yeah. But we immersed ourselves we exposed ourselves to that paradigm and because there was kind of that superficial, easily accessible connection to, Oh, they're in pain. I'm in pain. It must be the same kind of pain. We can sign off on being in pain. Damn Lacey. Uh, That's like truth bomb. Like I've never (laughs) even put that together. Like, that's like me complaining about Cheyenne's issues, like her head and her phone. And it's like, what was I watching on TV every week while I was going through that? Right. That's crazy. I mean, anytime you binge anything, I always feel a mood shift towards whatever it is that I'm listening to. Oh, yeah. are what wild. we feed our bodies. And this was also like before binging. This was like live TV that we That's recorded. True. And like we would put the kids to bed. It was an event for us. I would drive across town because it, yes. at one point you lived in a different house. I mean, yep. yeah. And how much importance did we put on that paradigm? Yeah. Like, because for us, it was a connection thing. But I also think that it was this kind of like what we allowed is what continued. And we yeah. had this conflict and these things. And, and we knew. We were feeding the negative wolf. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Without even doing it on purpose. It wasn't one of those things that we were like, we're going to sit down and watch this show so we can be really mad. And these boys are jerks. Like, it, that wasn't the intention. No, but, but it, what you expose yourself to, yeah. part of like that paradigm development is very heavily based on your culture, your, which is where the military piece of the blending for you guys, I think, is really important. Um, something that I think has lended itself really well to that. But it's, it's your environment, your life events, your culture, your socioeconomic status, your family of mm-hmm. origin. So like the family that you grew up with, all of these things are going to essentially construct the lens that you look at the world through. So when you're just consistently, constantly, all of the time being exposed to a specific set of information, a specific example of a behavior. Yeah. You adopt that as the most easily accessible thought. So especially when you're parenting in a pinch and we're having to make these decisions right this second, you're going to go to the thing that you know that you can grab at the fastest. Right. The most recent file right there. Yeah. 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 Or the most reinforced one. Yeah. I don't know your story like Brie does and our audience doesn't know either. So from that, like, season of you and Brie sitting on the couch together watching teen mom and like being disgruntled with your husbands we know the path that Brie's relationship took but what about for yours and and your marriage um so my husband is Will we have been married for 15 years 
Wow. That's wild. I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. I was like, no way. 15. I know we've, we've been married for 15 years. Um, we, we kind of like make this joke. We both really love Rodney Carrington and he makes this joke about how he and his wife got together and they're, you know, he's like, and I don't recommend that kind of courtship. Um, (laughs) I also don't really recommend the kind of courtship that we ended up in, but I will say, I think, um, he is just, I, I've never, it's just a, it's a privilege to be his wife and watch him change and grow. Like, I think we both really make an effort to like be a part of whatever the other is also doing and, and, and let that be the other. It's not like we don't have to do everything together and it doesn't have to be like, yeah, can we both sign off on this? Sometimes I'm like, listen, I don't love this. (laughs) <laughs> but I love you. So we're going to roll with it because at the end of the day, what, you know, win, lose or draw, mm. you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. We, you know, you've we'll clearly be benefited from that state of mind frame with him and your kids though. Like mm-hmm. as far as activities go, like you never know what you're going to love. So like giving each other space to try new things. I love that. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you make a choice every day to choose. Well, I do. And some days that choice is very, very easy to make. And some days I, I wake up and I'm like, I love my husband. Yeah. And I have to tell myself that you have to tell him all day. You have to tell yourself that you like him all day long. (laughs) Absolutely. That is such a great point because I, you have to, you have to like the, and again, which wolf are you feeding? I have to choose to like the things that I like about him more than I want to be annoyed with the things that annoy me. Absolutely. Like I will, and, the, and they're still like, we're human. You get annoyed and I'll sit back and be like, I can't, I don't know why I just got like, that is so minimal in the grand scheme of things. Like right. next time I'm not going to get annoyed about that. Like <laughs> start off. Well, again, that accessibility to what we're exposed to. Right. Yeah. Like, that's why it's so important to really shift that lens and shift the way that you are seeing your world. What is it that you choose to see? Yeah. I love that. That you keep, I really, this is really driving a lot home for me. Thank you. <laughs> Am I going to have to pay for our session today or? <laughs> well, that's a great transition. Yeah. Um, Lacey, us a little bit about your career. And... Yeah. Cause it's not that you just, you know, have all this great lingo. I mean, you, <laughs> you know what you're talking um, yeah. about. I Thank you. I, uh, So I actually started out as um, a high school English teacher. (laughs) I went to school. I'm from upstate New York. So I did my undergrad there. That's where I met Will. Um, And then because we got married before I was even done with college. And uh, when we moved to South Carolina, I'd finished up my degree. I had a license to teach high school English and I got hired at um, Airport High School. Shout out. That's Western. right. I love you guys. Yay. Um, that's right. I absolutely love that. Kind of shaped a lot of who I am. Yeah. Because in that time, um, they had me there um, on a grant based position as a truancy intervention specialist. Mm. Yeah. It was like a very important sounding thing. And, and it was, <laughs> but it was one of those things where I sat with these kids. The principal was like, listen we're just doing this so we can keep you until there's a teaching position open because we really want you to teach. But it really changed the whole trajectory of, of my life personally yeah. and professionally because I sat with these kids and I was like, you are not coming to school because you don't want to. What? There is all this other stuff going on and I don't have what I need to help you with that. So Will and I had this conversation. I came home from school one day and I was like, I can't continue to work in this environment and not have the tools that I know that these kids need. Um, can I please go back to school? Oh, <laughs> he was wow. like, so we actually, this is kind of, um, we were had kind of the conversation of, okay, well, do we want to try to have another baby? Because we had Tegan at this mm. point this too. Yep. Do we want to have another baby first? Um, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Why don't I just get through school? 
we'll have another baby after I graduate and I'm six months into my shiny new career. <laughs> and you I had went, it so planned out. I did. It was the perfect, lovely perfect. thing. So I went to the doctor to make sure that that plan um, continued and we could not do anything about it because surprise, I was pregnant with twins. <gasps> oh my gosh. I did not know that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, had I knew started... that. I still love the story. <laughs> it is wild. I just yeah. started grad school. I was in my first semester of grad school and pregnant with twins um, who also were not healthy. Right. Um, they had stage four twin to twin transfusion syndrome. We were told mm -hmm. um, at about 20 weeks that I would not give birth to two live children. We had a like a 60% chance, 40% chance of one of them surviving. And they're both mm -hmm. here uh, oh. driving me absolutely crazy every day. And they're freaking amazing. I love I, yeah, they are my mirror. I was in class literally I, my second semester. My third semester of grad school started two days after I gave birth to them. I was in the hospital, like on a hybrid Zoom. Class. Oh my! Oh gosh. my gosh! Yeah. <sighs> so I went through that. Um, got my degree in clinical mental health counseling. So I have a master's of science education in clinical mental health mm -hmm. counseling, and that's and all the personal experience and trauma to back it up. <laughs> all of the personal trauma to really validate why I'm here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I feel like I know nothing because I was sitting here talking about it's really hard on that first one. But... <laughs> what about that second and third? <laughs> Listen, who doesn't love a BOGO? <laughs> I know, I know. Right. And and Tegan had um you was a little bit of a traumatic birth too. Yes. Uh Tegan had gastroschisis. So mm -hmm. she was born with her small intestine on the outside of her body. Um, oh, wow. So all of them were emergency C-sections. Tegan was in NICU for like two weeks. Um, they just stuffed all those little organs back in her uh, belly button hole. So that's like fun fact about her. She doesn't have a belly button. Oh. Which we've tried really hard. You want to talk about a paradigm shift? We have made this something very like special and unique about her so that it's not something that she is subconscious yeah. and weirded out about because yeah, I love she this. doesn't have a belly button huh oh my god I love that yeah. I have a fake belly button if that makes her feel better <laughs> <laughs> I feel as cool as Tegan and you know I that's like top shelf right there yeah but she uh she was also kind of a, a miracle baby and um, yeah, she Barbara and Henley are my twins and they were in NICU for two months and then finally oh. came home. So I remember there was, one, I can't remember what the event was, but it was at my mom's. I want to say it was like a birthday party. It was something and you just didn't want to like miss it for us. So you came down and you had, you pumped for them. And all three at home. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually think it was a baby shower for Emily. I think that's what it was. Okay. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Wow. So yeah. you not only work with children though. Right. So I have, um, I started at a community service board. So I uh, do a lot of like behavior based stuff with uh, high risk teens. So still in the high school, it was really kind of like the perfect marriage of both of my professional passions. Um, yeah. But I also have a telehealth private practice called Tourisona Counseling. And I think that that's was so that cool. I, started. I love it. I started about a year ago and it's been a game changer for me. I really, I enjoy the platform. I enjoy the work. Uh, it's just, it's a really, if anything, like, you know, feed the the positive wolf, right? Like that's yeah. the one thing that I'm like, thanks COVID because why haven't we always been doing this? Yeah. And so, making it more accessible absolutely. once we went digital. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, and you started that from the ground up. Yes. That I is so cool. One day I really just felt a pull to be home. Um, Will works out of town. So I was like, how can I continue to work in this field that I've worked really hard to be a part of and, yeah. and be, you know, a productive and be part present. of and yeah. be home with my kids. So, this was so how old are the boxes. twins now? I'm still stuck on this twins thing. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, girl. Um, <laughs> some days I'm like, oh my God, there's really two of you. Like, this is wild <laughs> to me. 
Um, so Tegan is 12. She'll be 13 in May. And the twins turn 10 in January. Oh, wow. Okay. So close to Olivia. Yeah. Yep. And Cheyenne and Tegan are only six months. Yeah. Not even, I think, like, four months. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And they, them too, like when they get together, because like I said, we've been up there. Tegan came down for a baby shower at one point. Yeah. Um, they hit it off too. They just start playing, and it's like, oh, it's like cousin Tegan. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They still like Auntie Bree and Cheyenne, and oh. like Tegan. Well, I have, I actually have pictures of Cheyenne and Tegan, like in Tegan's baby book. Oh. She said she said something to me the other day about like. We really need to go see them because these pictures are so old. I <laughs> like, know. <laughs> the last pictures I have are at that farmhouse. They were all playing like dress up in one of the girls' rooms in the bunk beds and stuff. I mean, and yeah, they, yeah and they, it was just a couple of the kids. Yeah, we have we have to go and make a big group picture. Do. That is so fun. So um, now in working with in the high school and seeing. Um, I'm curious about this too. And like the truancy back in the uh, the airport days, mm-hmm. um, in these cases where you were seeing kids act out and stuff, <sighs> cringe. Did it have anything to do with blended families? <laughs> are we headed that direction? What are we doing? Are we doing anything wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all the things. So I think it really comes back to one of the things that I think when, when we are looking at like how much of this is like paradigm-based, behavior-based. Um, and there's two things that I really kind of come back to is this like Piaget stage of development and mm-hmm. Bandura's social learning, right? Okay. Um, because both of these things really, I think, encompass just like an accessible way to really understand like, why do I do the things that I do? Okay. Right. Like, And break those I- two things down for us. Yeah, I oh honey, I you should see the notes I have. Oh good, you have like the <laughs> string on the wall, like the whole have, mapped out thing. Okay, I, yes, I do. We're taking over the world. Like I very pinky in the brain over here. I love it. <laughs> so when you look at Piaget's stages, there's like very distinct, like from birth to two, all we're working on is like simple response. If I see it, it exists. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist, which is why like when we Mm -hmm. play peekaboo with babies, they're like, Oh my God, you're back. Thank God. Like they really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So then like hide and seek and they like just cover their eyes. Yeah. (laughs) If I can't see you, you can't see me. You're also is a perfect point to kind of that pre-operational stage, which is like two to six is they're able to communicate So that's like our language development space, Mm -hmm. but they also struggle to really kind of like manipulate like mentality. Like how are we thinking? They're not thinking about things the way that like you and I think about them Okay. and they don't really understand logic. So like, this is why when we say we have to go to bed and they're like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Because A, B, and C, A, B, and C doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So that concrete operational is your like seven to 11. This is where like, we're really starting to logically process factual events and then formal operational from 12 into adulthood. That's like your abstract thought and your skill. The reason that that part is important is because it links with social learning, which is observation, imitating and modeling like behaviors, reactions, processing and understanding. When you're looking at blended families who are embedded in conflict who are embedded in just like a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of unprocessed feelings, a lot of like, and I don't know that this is fair to say, but like almost like secrecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, It really kind of disrupts a lot of those developmental stages and, and very much crystallizes the way that we look at the world. Mm. If I watch my mom hide to cry, what does that tell me about emotional expression? Oh, um, that's a good I, one, Caroline. Cause we've talked about that before. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm thinking of another family that um, like, and Brie and I get uh, approached by people all the time and asking, and there's a family that has approached me lately and, and the mother's just really struggling. And every single thing you just said, I was like, Oh, like yeah. so much, like 
she's not allowed to do anything with her children without going through the guardian at litem. And she's not oh, allowed to ask them about like their weekend with their father, like the amount of secrecy, like, like, I know you're afraid to say that, but it's so true. Like, yeah. And nowadays yeah. with like courts, like they're being forced that way. If that makes any sense. It absolutely does. And and part of where this is so detrimental to like that blending is we are creating this lens that divorce is bad, marriage is good, and like never the twain shall meet, right? So yeah. Yeah. Like, we have this, this kind of like just worldview, right? Of if I do ABC, then I am considered good. All of this comes back to that paradigm construction. Who's saying that something is good? Right. It's a collective acceptance of, yes, this is the thing that makes you a good person. And in some, for a lot of different reasons, we've decided that marriage and the longevity and sustainability of it is good and divorce is not good. Yeah. And not that it's good. It's good no matter what the actual toxicity level of it at the actual marriage is you know what I mean it's like because think about all of those things that we are still social learning modeling reinforcing for our children Mm -hmm. that at some point we're going to move into that pre-operational stage you're not going to understand logic because what you're observing is not logical right Mm -hmm. what you're observing is counterintuitive because let's also not like discount just our intuition right this is generations of of genetic reaction to stimuli right that intuition that gut feeling that's like genetically embedded in you it's not just some magical mystical thing that happens yeah so it is very much like we're teaching how our blended families teach and you guys i think do such a fantastic job of that transparency and this idea of like radical acceptance, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not tolerance because tolerance implies this, uh, like, a I put up with, I have, yes, to, but it's do, a I have to deal with this. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a peripheral, right? It's something that happens around me that mm. I just allow yeah. because I have to acceptance. It, if you accept something from someone, you're taking it as your own. Mm. Right. So when we look at this concept of radical acceptance of just this is what it is, if I can own it, be a part of it, then there's a feeling of control rather than just like Mm. tolerating and allowing things to happen to you around you. I think that's so great. And Brie and I have conversations all the time. Like, golly, we talk about Shine being so mature for her age. Yeah. But I think one thing that we've done right and, and I'm having this aha moment as we listen to this is that we like over communicate to shine. Like sometimes we tell her things beyond her years because mm-hmm. it is her story story. It is her yeah. walk of life. And instead of us not being secretive, but thinking we're protecting her feelings when it involves her, we've actually just done the opposite and like over communicate it. Yeah. And there's been times that Brie and I've had conversations like, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But now I'm thinking like, gosh, I'm glad that we did. Yeah. And I mean, there, and that's, yeah, you're right. And that's hard because there's so many different situations, of course, but like, I I do think that, um, she's exposed. We're very good. We're not talking in front of her. I just think she's good about hearing us. Sure. (laughs) Because they're all for the record. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, make their bed and put their dishes up. But by gosh, if you're having a conversation there, if you're whispering in the back, yeah, the back corner of the house, I'm talking more of like plans scheduling, because I we've noticed that like anytime Uh, plans change, but like in the scheduling, Cheyenne likes to be a part of it. So Brie and I talk, like do our schedule very intently because we have other children, other family that we have to also plan around. Right. And so we try to do that to the best of our ability. And we realize that Cheyenne not knowing what her next day or next weekend or those things were going to look like was like causing different feelings in her. And so like our transparency in the schedule, and it gave her time to like 
prepare herself for like, man, I'm going to miss that kid's birthday or whatever the scenario was Mm -hmm. or get excited for, oh, we're going to be going to this at my mom's house this week or like whatever the scenario was. Like we were able to kind of over communicate with her like, hey, kiddo, like I understand like being in a blended family you know, has its positives and then it has its negatives and you're allowed to have those feelings. And I think that's such, like, that was one of the things to kind of go back to, like, what we see a lot of this time is that's such a positive thing where she learns some autonomy. Um, There are hard decisions. You're going to have to choose, you know, this kid's party or this family barbecue. Yeah. These are all life skills that when you guys communicate the way that the two, the four of you do, right? Yeah. It's absolutely imperative to building that resiliency, to reinforcing that sense of support because Cheyenne also doesn't feel like she has to make these decisions by herself. Exactly. It's not like, well, mm-hmm. do you want to go to your mom's or do you want to go to your dad's? And and I'll say, because I'm hearing this from this other family, Mm -hmm. it's not a carrot, meaning like we don't put it to her like, well, if you go there, you're going to miss this, this, like, and that's something that makes me like sick when I hear other families, like as much as my feelings are involved in like, let's say I would want her there and said scenario, Mm -hmm. like it's not about me. And I just, I get so hurt by these other families with like, what's the word like manipulative way that they present something to a child to make them choose. So it's almost like, and when we see this with kids too, right? Again, going back to that social learning, they learn this skill of triangulation in how do I manipulate one against the other to get, to have my needs met. Right. We have um, no experience in this at all, Lacey. <laughs> absolutely not. So, but then there's also that kind of sense of like disproportionate responsibility, right? These are one of, and Brie, you know, your original question, like yeah. that triangulation and that mani- like learning to manipulate to have your needs met. Because really when we're talking about kids, yeah, there's a function of behavior, right? Mm-hmm. If you're screaming, crying, kicking, um, or, or being silent, if you're withdrawing, if you are really just like the class clown, like, why are we doing what we're doing? What's the function? What are we trying to avoid? Or what are we trying to get? Yeah. So a lot of times with these kids, um, you're seeing like this disproportionate sense of responsibility. If I leave mommy, what happens? If I leave daddy, what happens? And then there's guilt, there's anxiety. It's this big, what if all the time? Um, Mm. But with that really effective blending, that communication and the varied communication, right? Brie and Caroline, you guys do not communicate in the exact same way, but you yeah. acute, you communicate really effectively and Cheyenne gets to observe and imitate and model both of those things and figure out which one is most effective and, and authentic for her. Right. What a, fa- what a fabulous opportunity for her. For all of your kids, because they're all watching this happen. You guys are like just the cycles that are being absolutely blown up with. Gosh, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) It just, it's really, and the support, right? Like just that resiliency. And I hate, I really don't love using resiliency with kids because I, I think that there's just like this implement implication when we say oh kids are so resilient that it they're not affected Mm. Mm. they're so fresh to the game (laughs) that there isn't all of that preconceived paradigm that's like interfering with how they cope and how they adjust yeah so really what we're doing is bombarding this clean slate with like a ton of things and they just pick one. And as the parents were like, okay, well, we'll go with that. Oh, and you're fine now. Look at what a great job we all did. Pat on the back. Yay. All around. Yeah. It doesn't always work like that because you don't have that follow-up communication, that observation, and then kind of like the debriefing, which is another thing that you guys are so good at, like what worked, what didn't. And that radical mm-hmm. acceptance of, oh, 
my way didn't work. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think absolutely. I think both families do a great job of that. I applaud us when, um, I mean, in the recent years, as we're, as she's getting older, like my biggest thing I say is this is the first time I've ever done this. Like with a 12 year old, this is the first time I've ever had a 12 year old daughter. And like, who's made this decision at like, whatever it might be. Um, this is the first time that I ever, you know, have had a 12 year old daughter with, um, these needs that need to be met. So you have to give us grace too, you know? Yeah. And, and that's such an amazing, I think, thing to start now, because I remember like, <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm from a blended family as well. My parents, um, right. mine and Charlie's mom and dad divorced when I was 19 and he was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't amicable. Um, oh, okay. It was really painful for everybody involved. There was a, and there was a lot of people involved. So it really was yeah. kind of this thing where I remember thinking like I, that was the first time as an adult. Right. So I'm like way, way into like formal operational. Yeah. Abstract think with the best of them. But now all of a sudden, the veil has been lifted, and my parents are just normal, fallible people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? Because you've been telling me for 19 years that you know all the things. Right. <laughs> so clearly and, you don't. And marriage it, is important, and divorce is bad, and family is important. Yes, and Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, this entire paradigm of what family is, how it functions, mm-hmm. is shattered. Because we're not having these, like, realistic, I tell Tegan, Bree, the same thing that you said, like, please, as much grace and as much patience as you are asking for me to have with you, Mm -hmm. this is one of those places where you get to really, like, we're on the same level. I need you to have that with me. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do the wrong thing. And at the end of the day, I, I, we need to trust each other. Yeah. You need to trust that we I'm doing the best that I can and the everything that I'm doing and you and me and your dad and you know and Charlie and V you know they're right down the road that was the whole point yeah because really when you look at it in a concept everybody's family is blended yeah it's mm. such a try everybody's yeah. family is blended will and I it's true you know came from different families because that's legal and how we do this um, <laughs> I know we're in Virginia but everybody uh, very different families <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that for a moment I was like, what? <laughs> everybody's family is blended that's yeah you're right so there's why... so many different family dynamics maybe yes. we're teaching her now how to deal with her in-laws later in life oh, and how yeah. to deal with conflict right like conflict is another one of those things for whatever reason arguing is bad no arguing is constructive it's necessary and it gives you a different set of lenses to put on sometimes I you don't always see things the way that they are no I love that so one thing that Ryan I talk a lot to our kids about because um my parents were arguers like behind the doors there's only one time that I really remember an argument that was like in front of me and for the longest time, like, I applauded them for that. I was like, how in the world did they do that? Like, that was so good of it. I never knew my parents ever argued. <laughs> um, but my husband is a very vocal person. And I, um, we definitely argue in front of our kids. And what's funny is our kids get in the middle of our arguments now. It's very entertaining. <laughs> or they'll, like, take sides <clears throat> with our own arguments. And anyway, all that to say is we talk to our kids about, listen, we're allowed to disagree, but we still love each other and we still argue with respect. Yeah. And, um, and you guys always have like a family meeting afterwards. Yes, we do have like these family meetings, but we are in the middle of trying to teach our kids. You can apologize for the fact that you disagreed. You don't have to apologize necessarily if you're not ready for, going towards their side or them coming yeah, towards their side. Yeah, right and wrong. Apologize. Yeah. The fact that we disagreed and the fact that we don't see eye to eye right now, but I still love you and we're going to still go on with our day. And teaching that to our kids right now, I, I would say especially Cheyenne because she's got um, that stubborn side to her. She's really struggling with 
the that that idea that you can disagree with someone and yeah. that doesn't mean like you hate them <laughs> it, yeah right and it is because and that's a perfect example like what was modeled for you like what does conflict mean what does problem solving look like because conflict resolution and problem solving are not the same thing yeah They're that's absolutely true absolutely not the same thing and and a lot of these things are connected to affection and how do we show, how did I know I was loved? How did I know that I was safe in a relationship? And this all like really goes to like attachment styles as adults. Like how do we pick our partners? Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, let me ask this question too. I'm really interested in, because um, you just really, and it, it's weird that I keep saying it like blew my mind, but it, I keep thinking of it as the mother perspective on how yeah. social media and what we're exposed to um, what we're watching on TV and things, um, and feeding the, the bad and the good wolf. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and I'm like, but in my twenties as a mother, wh- like, what was I feeding? You know? So then, so now I'm looking at the way that we are living our lives around Cheyenne in my humble opinion mm-hmm. is that it comes down to love and just acceptance and loving. And we're all, I mm-hmm. really feel like we're all showing her that behind yeah. closed doors in front of closed doors. I think in all the fam and just all the different dynamics between the two houses, it's pure, pure love. And then somehow <laughs> there's a narrative, like she's developed a narrative, some of the narratives she's developed for, I'm like, where do these come from? Cause I, mm. they're not coming from the four of us and how we're showing right. so much love. And it makes me think it, she doesn't have Instagram. She's not on TikTok. Like, where is her narrative coming from this? Like she didn't get um, enough time with her dad what when I raised her the first parts of her her lives um and then I'm thinking and I and we've all explained this Ryan sat down and explained this we've had this has been a big family discussion between the four of us right um where it wasn't about me taking time away from Ryan at that time we were all in survival mode this was this was what would expect for everybody with a five to nine job you know all those things um and still in her mind it's like I stole this time from Ryan because we didn't live down the street from each other I don't know and share her back and forth I'm not sure but you know so that's a product of environment though because how many kids around her are having those conversations especially Mm -hmm. now at their age right because remember she's moving into that formal operational place where she is Mm. able to really process some abstract thought with these modeled relationships of how many kids in her social groups or her classes have had that experience. Like, mm-hmm, Oh, you know, or just now, like, because their schedules are getting more centered around them. And, you know, sometimes you're like your weekend with that is now like a weekend at the ball field and who is losing time. Right. I always talk about it. Like her thing, meaning like anytime you're like discussing with friends and um, everyone talks about like, their woe is me moment. Like, right. This Mm. is the big hard thing in my life. And this was that big hard thing in my life. I felt like Cheyenne like needed this thing to share that was like hard in her life. Yeah. And, and that was like, I don't want to say like the best that she could come up with. It was like, (laughs) we did her dirty. We didn't give her any good, you know, it was what she struck the nerve with and she got a reaction and, um, and because it was painful, it hurt. And it, it not only hurt Bree's feeling, it kind of hurt all of ours. And in a, in a way we were like, "Mm, no kid, like that, that's not the truth. And we've had to have these conversations with her. And I think she's, Mm -hmm. she's turned from that narrative and it's, and it's changed now, but I mean, it's, it would still cause like pain. It made us really like, especially on Bree's side, like Mm -hmm. really think like, wait, what? Like, does this kid not see? Well, what am I, what am I doing wrong? And, and I'm thinking, I'm like, but this is like the one thing I'm doing right. Like, this is like where I've got my eggs in the basket over here. So, or my ducks in the row, whatever, (laughs) you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that was, well, a, I, that was a hard blended family moment. <laughs> for sure. And I think it brings up like for everybody, right? Like your feelings aren't always facts. Your feelings are always real. Like you're, whatever you're experiencing is, is just authentically what you are experiencing, mm-hmm. but is it accurate to the situation? And this mm-hmm. is where I think people, again, with that communication and that conflict resolution, like this is where we miss the mark with our kids. And we're, again, you guys just do 
a really great job of acknowledging like, yes, this is how, first of all, you're all so self-aware at this point. Like you can say, actually, I feel this, right? Right. And, and own it and go, you know, maybe I'm a little jealous of this experience or I'm, I'm, you know, really sad that I missed out on this. And it's not a dig at the other. Absolutely not. No, it's just this is where I'm at. And I'm just trying to help all of us take the temperature of what this dynamic looks like and how it's functioning. Because Because those little things things shift the paradigm. Just kills Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, I think this is something that we just need to speak to all of the blended families out there is I would say Brie and I do the most communication um, and we're really good at being like, hey, like I I need a moment to like think about that. And the Mm -hmm. other one not taking it like I don't want to say the word personally, but not being like, oh, man, I heard like, yeah. Like, we're very good at being like, hey, like, I really need to process that for a minute. Let me think about it. And I would also say, this is another thing I'll model after my parents. If I went to my mom and my mom and I said, mom, I don't want you to tell dad. My mom would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have no secrets with your father and vice versa. And I Mm -hmm. would, I, to Cheyenne, when she's like, "I, I don't want all my parents to know. I'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, like I can't have secrets with your parents. Now I'm respectful and I try to um, help her navigate like, all right, like, Hey, are, how are you going to talk to this about your mom? Would you like to, or your dad or whatever the scenario is. And if it's not me, like it, it's Ryan and, and, or breed then coming to me, we work. And I say, especially now going into the teenage years, we work very hard to not keep secrets from each other and I'm not saying that doesn't give Cheyenne a safe place to come to but she has to know like we're all four on the same team we're not married but we are married yeah and we have all to each other but it also becomes it also becomes absolutely it's a respect of privacy and autonomy and giving her a space to know that like because keeping a secret is also not being respectful to somebody else's like participation in what this system looks like Mm, and giving her the space to be like okay and there are some things you know you have preferred friends that like I will talk to Brie about literally anything (laughs) and and not worry about it right but there's some friends that I would be like "Eh, I just you just know they're not going to appreciate or not respond the same way uh, you know absolutely but it also teaches me how I can approach it once I can really just kind of like verbal diarrhea and yes, get like it out. Yeah. Raw well, whatever's like, happening. Brie like fill in the 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 gaps on this, but Brie and I both had like an aha moment with it. It was a few months ago where we we're navigating teenager Cheyenne navigating all of the different dynamics that are going on. And I don't even remember the scenario to be honest with you, but we were having a conversation. I was like, Hey, I am struggling with like, she's, and I was literally just like, she's coming to me saying, I'm not ready to tell my mom. And I was going like, I don't like, do I respect the privacy? Like I was struggling with the, like, where's the line. Right. And and I just had a blunt conversation about it. And in that we were like, yeah, we can't, then it made it like this secretive thing. And we were like, which secret did Cheyenne tell us? And which one has she not told her mom yet or vice versa? Yes. And it- yeah. And I feel like she was trying to use that a little bit as a manipulative tool. Yes. But at the same time, like going back to tool, this makes me think of the, when you're talking, talking about tools and trying to like do your job, Lacey, it's yeah. like, my job is to guide you. And I'm for- like four, four of us, <laughs> our guides are to, our jobs are to guide you. Like, why would I not use all of my tools, all three of my other tools to make sure that you're the safest, you know, like, right. Well, and I think it's one of those things too, again, like that cultural kind of social exposure that like forms this paradigm that like, for those of us who grew up in like, you know, watching full house and family matters and boy meets world, Mm. the, the healthy parenting resolution was to have like, the big giant family meeting where the dad talked, the kids listened, and then all <laughs> everybody knew everybody's stuff, right? Yeah. Like, if DJ screwed up, 
Stephanie, Michelle, Uncle Joey, Uncle Jesse, the neighbor, Steve, everybody knew him. (laughs) (laughs) There was no space to privately process. Mm -hmm. And I, and I wonder if that's kind of the direction for Cheyenne and within just like that blended dynamic to begin with is like, yes, you can have some privacy with this, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to exclude the people who Mm -hmm. need to be able to navigate this with you, which is why you're having that conversation to begin with. Right. If you can talk to one of the, now, do we have to have like, you know, a steak dinner and sit down and announce (laughs) to all four what Cheyenne is struggling with? That's probably uncomfortable. Yeah. Giving her that choice. Right. Like again, this semblance of control, this, this feeling of inclusiveness where mm-hmm. yes, I respect your feeling and your fear, like all of that's valid, but the four of us are a unit. So how yeah. do you want this? How can I help you communicate what you need to communicate to mm-hmm. all of us? I love it. Like so much. Um, <clears throat> it was, there was a, a recent scenario where she needed to like share you know, a life event with everyone. And, mm-hmm. and like, I gave Brie like a tidbit. I'm like, it's coming, but I'm going to let her <laughs> tell you. <laughs> um, because and then I, I was... happened to take her, like my plan was already to take her to like lunch, you know, as a special thing. And I sat her down like, right. so you got anything to tell me? And she was like, oh, like that. I was like, no, I'm just joking. Eat your tacos. <laughs> <laughs> and then she finally yeah, told me. Yes. And, um, it is so interesting. I would just say like, I'm thankful that Brie and I had that conversation a few months ago where we were like both kind of in the same season of like struggling with the same thing and like feeling uncomfortable. And I would say, trust your gut. Like if you're feeling uncomfortable about something, there's a reason. And, um, it was my uncomfortable feeling was like, I knew that that wasn't the path that, that I wanted to choose. And, um, so yeah, it just it just created an uncomfortable that turned into a comfortable conversation with Bree and that, you know, continues to keep our parenting on on track um together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Would you say um what would you say would be the you know, number one thing you'd want to um perpetuate into these like blended families that you're seeing through the school situ- uh, mm. situations or your um, counseling um, uh, through the telemed um, what kind of th- what kind of things are you leaving them with these co-parenters I, I think it's I think it's this kind of thought of like find a way to create comfort and not chaos mm. um, I think so often because you know, we get comfortable in chaos because it distracts us from our anxiety. It distracts us from our fear because if we're busy and there's all the things and there's somebody else that I can project this stuff on, I don't have to turn inward and process my own junk. Mm, yeah. um, but again, what are we modeling? What are we observing? What are our kids imitating and what are they learning? Mm. So I think just kind of like having that space to again, that radical acceptance of like, I don't have to be, can I be angry? Absolutely. Do I have to feed that to justify my place in this system? Absolutely not. I love that. Choosing that every day, choosing to love the things and like the things about your life as hard as it can be sometimes. And sometimes as like minimal as it seems, some days the thing that I like the best about my day is the ratio of coffee to creamer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I feel that you, just hits, but, but that's it. If I can find that, if I can find the thing that is going to give purpose and meaning and joy and contentment, like I have a tool, I have a, a strength of something that is going to fight off that chaos and give yeah. me some ownership and some control and some active, just really like motivated participation in what I want my life to look like. Yeah. So it really, I think it's, it's that create comfort, not chaos. Comfort, Mm -hmm. not chaos. I wrote that down. I love that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lacey. Um, Thank you guys. This has been incredible. I can't believe that. 
love this. I um, absolutely am tickled that you joined us today and honored that you took the time out of helping all these uh, different people. And I'm happy that you made the, the time for, for Blend It. I know. Absolutely. And I'm it's just... My privilege. I know. And I um, am just on- obviously just honored to be your friend. I've always been honored to be your friend. But I can now say we've had this long friendship. We've recorded a podcast together. I've gotten some, um, you know, mental health uh, advice from you. Uh, <laughs> our story just keeps extending. I love it. I, I love it. So, so good. What a great conversation with Lacey. I said it before and I'll say it again and again and again. I think Lacey is seriously the coolest person on earth. Uh, my biggest personal takeaway from our conversation with her uh, was the recognition or even re-recognition of how important it is to pay attention um, to what we're putting out in front of our children um, and even ourselves um, via their atmosphere, their inner circle, uh, their social medias, what they're watching on Netflix, uh, it's kind of funny. I thought I had escaped that by, you know, my parents didn't let me watch SpongeBob and I knew all the words and all the episodes to VeggieTales. And then as soon as I uh, was on my own, I was watching Teen Mom during a, such a crucial time um, where I should have been putting better quality, you know, entertainment in front of me um, and, and, you know, get away from all the junk that uh, was being fed to me during such a vulnerable time in my life. Um, so we've talked about Teen Mom a couple times on the episodes now. Um, Caroline and I joke about it that MTV is going to be out for us, but um, it really just shows, you know, what we're putting in front of ourselves. Um, and in this case, we just reference Teen Mom a lot, uh, just the era. But no, no love loss on those girls because they've all come from, uh, you know their own struggles and they've made things of themselves. We're really excited for them. Anyway, we're going to link Lacey to you guys through our show notes. So check it out and make sure to like, love, share um, all our stuff, especially if something we say strikes a chord in you. We love to hear how our story resonates with you. So we love the love. Thank you so much. Until next episode.